Imagine that there were television sets in Palestine back in the first century AD. That may be a little stretch. But if you're coming to the comedy show later, John will ask you, I'm sure, to use your imagination, so this will warm you up a little bit. Imagine there were TV sets back then. And then imagine that one night in the holy city of Jerusalem, on cable channel 7, anchor Katie Korikstein, <laughs> is that her name, was doing the evening news. And she read the following news item, which incidentally includes a direct quote from today's first reading. It was reported today that Philip, a follower of Jesus the Nazarene, recently went down to the city of Samaria and proclaimed the Christ to them. With one accord, the crowds paid attention to what was said by Philip when they heard and saw the signs he was doing. For unclean spirits crying out in a loud voice came out of many possessed people, and many paralyzed or crippled people were cured. There was great joy in that city. And this just in. It's also being reported that the apostles Peter and John were sent to Samaria a few days ago to minister to these new converts to Christianity and to pray for a fuller outpouring of the Holy Spirit on them in what Christians refer to as the sacrament of confirmation. Now let me tell you something. If that announcement of Katie Korikstein had ever found its way into the living rooms of Jewish Christian converts in the first century, the reaction would not have been pretty. In all likelihood, my brothers and sisters, those Jewish Christians who were watching TV that night would have needed to go to confession right after they saw that news program. Because they would have been screaming at their television sets. And more than a few of them would have probably taken their sandals off and tossed them right through the screen. Did you hear that, Miriam? Philip went where? Peter and John did what? They preached to them? They ministered to them? They healed them? Oy vey! How dare they associate with them? With those half-breed foreigners? How dare they welcome them into our church? That's the best imitation I can do. <laughs> There'll be better ones tonight at the dinner, I can assure you. You see, the Samaritans, the them being referred to in that little tirade, we have to understand who these people were. They were the descendants of Israelites. But Israelites who had intermarried with foreigners after the northern kingdom of Israel had been conquered by the Assyrians in 722 B.C. The problem was, to devout first century Jews, that kind of intermarriage was a big no-no. And so in their minds, the Samaritans were nothing more than a bunch of racially impure half-breeds who were to be avoided at all costs. And to be honest about it, the negative feelings were mutual. 
The Samaritans detested the Jews as much as the Jews detested them. In some respects, my brothers and sisters, it's like the anti-immigrant prejudice that some people in our country have right now. I wish I didn't have to say this, but it's true. Hopefully, no one in the congregation today shares those feelings, especially because most, if not all of us, are the direct descendants of immigrants. And a few of us actually are immigrants. My good friends Pat and Nancy here in the front row came over from Italy a number of years ago. Some others in the congregation did. Others came from other places. My grandparents came over from the old country, so to speak. Now let me be clear before I really get into this. My purpose in my homily this afternoon is not to propose concrete solutions to the current problems involving legal and illegal immigrants in our country. Quite frankly, that's not my role. I'm a priest. Hashing out those particulars is the job of our government, specifically the legislative and executive branches of our government. And I hope we realize it's not easy. I was talking to Senator Algier, who's here tonight just the other day, and he said to me, Father Ray, it's a very complicated matter, and there are no easy, simple solutions. This is one reason, incidentally, why we always pray for our civil leaders at Sunday Mass during the prayer of the faithful. Have you noticed that? And it's why we as individuals should remember our president and our governor and our other civil leaders, our state and national legislators. We should remember these people in our personal prayers every day. Wisdom is needed to find the right answers to these questions surrounding immigration and the securing of our borders. And wisdom is one of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. So our leaders need the Spirit's help, whether they realize it or not. Even if they're not believers, they still need the Spirit's help. But even though I won't offer any specific solutions today, what I will do very briefly is share with you the church's moral teaching on how to deal with immigrants from other countries. After all, that is my role as a Catholic priest. And I do it because even here in our own state, there has been a lot of confusion lately about where Catholics should stand on these kinds of issues. Parishioners have been approaching me, especially in the last couple of weeks. No doubt one reason for the confusion is the fact that the Church does not propose in her teaching specific laws. Nor should she. Rather, the Church merely sets forth the moral principles that should guide a society in making its laws. This means, you see, that good people can embrace the same guiding principles and still disagree on some of the particulars of a given law. I'll give you an example of that in a moment. Now, when we have a question about something regarding our faith, when we want to know what the Church really teaches on something, where do we go? The Catechism. Thank you. I'm 
hopefully everyone wanted to say catechism. <laughs> That's where we should go. Shouldn't even look to Father Rick. Open the catechism and look there. Look up immigration. If you look it up, there's a great paragraph, 2241, that summarizes the teaching of the church on the matter. And I'll read it to you. It says, the more prosperous nations are obliged, to the extent that they are able, to welcome the foreigner in search of the security and the means of livelihood which he cannot find in the country of his origin. Public authorities should see to it that the natural right is respected, that places a guest under the protection of those who receive him. Political authorities, for the sake of the common good for which they are responsible, may make the exercise of the right to immigrate subject to various juridical conditions, especially with regard to the immigrants' duties toward their country of adoption. Immigrants are obliged to respect with gratitude the material and spiritual heritage of the country that receives them, to obey its laws, and to assist in carrying civic burdens. First point there, my brothers and sisters, is that prosperous nations have a moral obligation before God to welcome at least some foreigners into their countries. Well, I think it's safe to say that we are one of the more prosperous nations right now on the face of God's good earth. So clearly, that applies to us. Of course, it's very interesting. The Catechism immediately qualifies that principle by saying that, yes, we are obliged to welcome foreigners, but only to the extent that we are able to. Obviously, there is one issue that good people can and will disagree on. Where do you draw the line in terms of numbers? How many immigrants are enough? How many are too many? Now the corollary to this first principle is that nations, like ours, also have the right, as well as the duty, the Catechism says, to secure their own borders. Please hear this, and this, was, this is something that's been misunderstood. People sneaking over national boundary lines whenever they feel like it is not something the Catholic Church supports. It is not something that the Catholic Church teaches. As the Catechism says, political authorities may make the right to immigrate subject to various juridical conditions. Saying, for example, that you have to pass over through a border checkpoint. And you have to have your paperwork in order. That's a legitimate exercise of that principle. And our government does demand that. The Catechism goes on to say that those who are welcomed into another country should receive respect and appropriate help and legal protection. That idea, along with every other principle of Catholic moral teaching, is rooted in a very key idea, the dignity of the human person. You've heard it before. You've heard popes speak about this. Every human being, the Church says, has a fundamental, God-given dignity because every human being is created in the image and likeness of God. All the moral principles of the Church follow from that one. But notice here, it's not a one-way street. Immigrants are to be respected and helped 
and protected, yes. But according to the official teaching of the church, they also have duties and responsibilities to the citizens of the country that's been good enough to take them in. Among these, the Catechism says, are the responsibility to obey the country's laws, including, I dare say, its immigration laws, and to assist in carrying civic burdens. That includes paying taxes like the rest of us do. Let me conclude my homily today by quoting to you a couple of paragraphs from our bishop's public statement of two weeks ago concerning immigrants here in Rhode Island. You know, our bishop took a lot of heat for this. He is a good man. He is a great leader. And I heard through the grapevine, the priestly grapevine, <laughs> there is one out there, you know, <laughs> that he got a lot of uncharitable bits of mail from people in our state. But in point of fact, the basis of what he said a couple of weeks ago was the traditional teaching of the church that I just shared with you. Listen carefully now to his words. They incorporate almost every point I just made. Our bishop said, I joined the Catholic bishops of the United States in calling for comprehensive immigration reform. Such policy begins with securing our borders and providing for an orderly and welcoming immigration policy. Every nation has the right and even the duty to have safe and secure borders. I encourage the members of the Rhode Island congressional delegation, Senators Reed and Whitehouse and Congressman Kennedy and Langevin, to recognize the immigration challenges of our state and to take a more proactive role in promoting positive immigration reform. In the meantime, while our nation strives toward the goal of an effective immigration policy, the immigrants who are already in our state should be able to live without fear. They should not be persecuted, intimidated, or harassed. Immigrants come to the United States to seek freedom and prosperity, to provide a better life for themselves and their families. It is an aspiration shared by all members of the human family. The overwhelming majority of immigrants are law-abiding individuals, pay a variety of taxes, and contribute to the economic development of our community. My brothers and sisters, the Jewish Christians of the early church learned to accept and they learned to love the Samaritans who were converted to the faith by St. Philip. It's my prayer today that God will help us all to do the same with respect to the many good and law-abiding foreigners who come to this United States, this beautiful United States of ours, as so many of our ancestors did, and some of us did, desperately seeking a better life for themselves and for their children.